0: what's going on welcome to episode number 857 of locked on raptors for monday january 4th 2021 i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley you can find the show at locked on raptors as well as on all of your favorite podcast providers so please Subscribe to, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's very much appreciated, and it takes literally next to no time at all. And it's free to do. It's a little gifty poo to give to me after the holiday season and help stroke my ego and all that good stuff. So thanks in advance for taking the time. All right. On today's show, uh, the Raptors are 1-4. They beat the Knicks in a game that maybe was more depressing than their actual loss over the weekend on January the 2nd. Didn't do a New Year's Day episode to talk about the Knicks game, so we'll wrap that into today's coverage along with the Pelicans' loss and... We're probably going to spend a lot of time talking about Pascal Siakam on this podcast. He is the big story of the team through the first part of the season, and he kind of is the person upon which the outlook of the team hinges. So we're going to dive deep into what's wrong with Pascal, ways to fix Pascal, and the confusing befuddling nature of his early season struggles and we'll also uh, dive into some other things we've noticed from the last couple of games before the Celtics game tonight and joining me to do all of those
1: things is our friend the man with the lavender voice himself it is Vivek Jacob what's going on pal? Nothing much man that's not going to get old anytime soon I am (laughs) looking to get my 2021 into gear because the days since Christmas all just seem to blend in and Especially with the weekend after New Year's Day, that really threw me off. So, yeah. this feels like the first productive day of the year.
0: It's been a long time of me just kind of sitting on the couch, letting days run into days, playing a lot of video games. It's it's nice to have some semblance of like normal n- normalcy back. Not that anything is normal right now. Everything still sucks, but uh like working on a monday pretty nice i gotta say it's a nice little reprieve uh from the two straight weeks of eating like a garbage clown um by the way speaking of eating today's podcast is brought to you by built bar who are our best friends over at builtbar.com the promo code locked on will get you 20 percent off your next order we'll get to them a little bit more later on in the show all right vivek let's dive in here the raptors of course lost two games over the weekend sorry again i keep saying they lost two games that next game while it was a win felt like a loss spiritually because it stunk to watch and was one of the more depressing games I've ever seen Uh, the Pelicans game was a little bit better a nice comeback late in the game but they end up falling short in crunch time and the overarching theme of those two games is Pascal Siakam the Knicks game because Siakam did not play and caused a lot of panic when it was ruled that he was going to miss a game for disciplinary reasons and then of course the Pelicans game Siakam fouls out for the second time in as many games that he has played and uh, looked very very not good for the most part. So Vivek, I'm assuming Pascal is going to be a part of your biggest takeaways from these two games, but tell me, sir, what is your biggest takeaway from the last two games that we are now covering for the first time here on the show?
1: The Raptors are looking more and more like a team that lost Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Alt and Serge Ibaka and <laughs> replaced them with Stanley Johnson, Aaron Baines and Alex Lynn. I think that reality is starting to play out more and more. mm-hmm it's not as bad as it looks as well. Pascal Siakam should not be this bad. He is way, way, way below any type of expectations anyone would have for him. Mm-hmm. My hope at this point is just him going back to the player he was before the pandemic. right? I'm, I, I don't have a realistic expectation that he's going, going to be a number one guy. And he's, mm-hmm. That he's going to be a number one option. If he can just go back to being who he was before the bubble that would be a sight for sore eyes right now because even just watching the games right you're trying to cling on to the smallest of things he has that one euro step against the pelicans and i'm like okay please let this get him going (laughs) and so little things like that you're just hoping that it translates to something bigger but that hasn't been the case yet and Again, the sample size is small. A lot of crazy things are happening. The Brooklyn Nets played their first two games. Everyone's like, wow, look at the Brooklyn Nets. Now they've lost four out of five. And, uh, you know, the narrative is changing very quickly. We saw Steph Curry. People were, uh, you know, tarnishing his legacy after a f- few games. And then mm-hmm. he goes ahead and drops 62 on Dame. And the world seems normal again. But, you know, it's Twitter as well.
0: <laughs> you're saying Twitter might be a little overreactionary to a couple <laughs> basketball games uh, where the circumstances around said basketball games are unlike anything we've ever seen before unbelievable I, I don't believe you whatsoever um no yeah you're right it, it, it's probably all too reactionary early on in the season here it is early but there are certainly some not so promising signs vibes wise from this Raptors team that are kind of carrying through and that is kind of my overarching takeaway from the last two games, is that this team just doesn't feel like it's enjoying itself at all. It feels pretty joyless. It feels like they're kind of just stuck in the mud. It feels like when you play a video game basketball, a video game basketball, that just shows how much 2K I play. Uh, is that? That's what I <laughs> refer to it as. But, like, you know when you start out a new season in 2K and you maybe put it on a difficult difficulty to try to get yourself, you know, trained up to be better at the game? And, like, the first three or four games, as you figure out the AI of the other team, you shoot, like, 30% from the field and lose by 25 every game. And it just is like, well, I'm never going to get better at this. Eventually it does, but it really does feel like the first five games of a new franchise mode uh, where you're testing out the difficulty for the Raptors right now, especially on offense where they're just not clicking whatsoever. And it all does kind of circle around Pascal. I mean, he was sat out on Thursday, because I guess because he left the floor after fouling out against the Sixers we don't really know what happened there what the background was but that did not help the vibes element of it all and then against the Pelicans he fouls out once again and credit to Pascal when he's been on the bench he's been very supportive he was very loud during the Raptors comeback after he fouled out on Saturday Uh, he seemed pretty supportive when he was sitting on the bench in street clothes on Thursday as well but you know the, the way he's playing it's kind of seeping into everything else and you, know, you mentioned that the Raptors lost Kawhi and Abaka and Gasol, and you're starting to see the results of that. Like, Yes, I sort of agree a little bit because that's just a lot of talent you've lost and it's tough to replicate, but I don't think the team that was a 60-win team prorated last year becomes a lottery team by losing a couple of big men. What you're really seeing right now is the Raptors are missing their best scorer and second-best player, and he's just completely MIA, and he is not playing anything close to what he's supposed to be. And when that happens to a team that's already offensively challenged, you're really, really going to struggle because there's just not a lot else, man. It's it's Kyle Lowry that you can trust. Fred has had some nice scoring games, but his playmaking remains a sore spot. And there's just not a lot else in terms of other guys to come in, or at least guys that Nick Nurse wants to try out to try to grease things along. And it just it's life. I mean, if any team's best player became an absolute pumpkin around the league, that team would struggle terribly. And so it's not terribly surprising that they're 1 and 4. They have the 29th ranked offense in the league, which congrats to them, they climbed from 30th and passed the thunder. Good job. Yay, yay, yay. Um, but yeah, it's just Siakam looks so out of it right now, and it's so hard to contextualize too because it's just we, we've we never seen this before. Same as we've never seen Pascal's crazy development arc, and we, how often do we talk about this is a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, year one to year four progression for a guy. It's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime forgetting how to play basketball for a guy as well in a pretty short amount of time. And yes, the layoff, I think, caused a lot of the problems going into the bubble, and there's nothing to suggest just yet that this is just a new player he is forever. I mean, it's still early. There's still time to figure things out. There, it's it's a very bizarre circumstance of the season. Everyone's kind of going through it right now. The Nuggets are like one and 4 too. It's not like it's just the Raptors who are performing below expectations, but it is really hard to sort of... Understand what's going on with Pascal and try to project forward because we just have kind of never seen something like this. Would you agree with that? And are you having a similar problem kind of reconciling in your brain like he should be a lot better than this, but maybe he's just not and maybe he is what we saw in the bubble and that's just the new version of Pascal? That seems unrealistic, but also the last five games and the bubble before that seemed like an unrealistic way for him to play too considering what he had done the first three and a half years of his career.
1: Yeah, I still lean towards this version of Pascal being unrealistic to sustain and that, that this is the version of Pascal we are going to see for the remainder of his career. Uh, I think that player is still deep down there somewhere and he's going to need some time to figure it out. These are all very, you know, t- they're just tough circumstances And he's someone that's been hit by it harder than seemingly anyone else. And he's got to snap out of it and he's got to figure a way to play better. And I think he will, I think he will figure it out over time and maybe he needs more reps and maybe he needs more time. And I will probably lean towards the end of January to see where not only he is, but where the team is as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the schedule, and the reason I say the end of January is because there's a stretch between Jan 18th and Jan 27th, where it's nothing but tough games, so you're Mm -hmm. really going to learn about the team. You've got Dallas, then you've got Miami twice, you've got Indiana twice, and then you've got Milwaukee. And at that point, you're going to be able to look at this team and say, okay, these are the problems that were kind of, you know, red flags at the start of the season, they're definitely red flags now. And so you look at the things like the offense, uh, the inability to get to the free throw line, obviously that was improved against the Pelicans and they've got to maintain that mindset and that uh, aggressiveness to get to the rack. There's been a little too much of, you know, just being a bit too three point happy. I think they've settled a bit too much. But with Pascal, you know, it's... It's weird because he came into this season saying all the things you wanted to hear in terms of him just being honest with himself and introspective and understanding that he not only didn't meet the expectations of everyone watching, but he didn't meet the expectations of himself. And Mm -hmm. it seemed like he followed the right process that he got, you know, he upgraded the team that was around him to take care of everything from a nutrition standpoint, a fitness standpoint, everything he could possibly do He's done. And so now, to not bear that fruit early on, you'd like to think it'll come across uh, at some point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I will continue on uh, diving into Pascal. He's worthy of two segments right now because it is kind of the fulcrum that's going to determine the direction of the season for the Raptors, frankly. Uh, Kyle Lowry can be amazing all he wants. If you don't have help from your best scorer, Things are going to be pretty dire, and we'll get into that a little bit more in the second second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the best place for you to throw money down on the sports that you love to watch and maybe want to win some money off of. Right now, when you go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus, meaning if you put down $100, bucks, you are going to get 150 in your account to play with. If you put down $1,000, you are going to get 1500 It's just that simple and there are tons of things for you to throw your money down on right now the nfl playoffs are starting up next weekend if you want to put some money down on a team go ahead that is awesome the nhl season starts next week somehow and there are nhl futures bets up at bet online as well for you to throw some money down on too don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit that's betonline.ag your online sports book experts
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: All right, Vivek, let's continue on with the Pascal Siakam discussion. Uh, first, though, a reminder that Locked On Bets is running strong for you right now. A daily short form podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling taking you through every day's gambling action and trying to win you some money. They're doing a really good job. I think they had an eight day in a row winning streak or something like that going on recently they know what they're talking about so go listen to locked on bets if you are going to be using that wonderful BetOnline.ag ag offer all right big v let's get back to pascal uh we should probably talk about the fouling his last two games he has fouled out uh, of course the reaction to the first fouling out was the reason why he was sat out on thursday against the knicks presumably we don't really again know what happened behind the scenes there first off want to ask you about that like what did you think of the decision to sit Pascal in that game? Obviously, they win the game, and actually the last two games now, it seemed anytime Pascal's been off the floor, the Raptors have been better, which is damning. Um, but did you agree with the decision to sit him? Is it too hard to really make a judgment call because we don't know what happened in the background there? I didn't have much of a strong opinion on it. I thought it was fine and understandable. Whatever, do what you got to do. I did, however, have issue with uh, you know a lot of his minutes going to a certain redacted Well, where were you at with the sitting of Pascal? Did you think it was a good call or maybe something that was a a bad, ill-advised decision considering rhythm seems to be the thing that he's suffering from a lack of most right now?
1: I think for me, when I look at the situation, we don't know the whole picture. So if something happened behind the scenes where he was called out for it and had a bad reaction to that, and then you've decided to suspend him and have a conversation with Bobby and Masai and all that, and that's what's being kept internal, then sure, you have to do what you have to do. If I have to assess it from only what we know, and that's him leaving the game with 25 seconds left after fouling out, and what was it, five fouls that he picked up in six minutes? I think that's harsh. Mm -hmm. And if that's the only reason... Then I don't really buy it. Because just by enforcing the suspension, you've made it a big deal. You come out and say, Oh, you want to keep it internal and this and that, you've made it a big deal by suspending it. Guess what? If you just if, if there was just a fine for whatever amount and you say, Hey, you know, you you've had a conversation about it, everyone moves on. But by saying that he has to miss a game, that he's gotta be in street clothes, this and that I think you just blew it out of proportion for no reason. He, I, I look at Nick Nurse. You know, this is kind of his his M.O. and people are are maybe giving him a pass because he's won a championship, and there's this assumption that everything he does is the right call because he's been a hard ass before and it's paid off. But I don't know. With this one, I look at it, there has to be some kind of precedent with Pascal too where where has he ever given an indication that he's this type of guy that isn't about the team yeah and so for me it's, you know someone as hard working and that's the other thing too right his struggles aren't to him being lazy or anything like that at no point has anyone questioned his commitment he's almost works, trying too hard <laughs> yeah exactly right so that from that standpoint it's something i disagree with um and was unnecessary but again if there are things that happen behind the scenes that we don't know about, and he crossed the line in that regard to the point where you know conversations needed to be had uh, across the board, then yeah, go ahead and do what you have to do. Spill the tea open, Jim. That's my reaction to that. <laughs> uh,
0: but no, yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, I'm sure there was some reason behind it, and I you know said as much the night of that, hey, I get it. But at the same time, I feel like you do have to... Maybe, you know, there's been all this conversation, especially with the Clippers and stuff of like preferential treatment towards your stars. Like, yeah, you probably should treat your stars differently.
1: I don't know. Like, I mean, the Raptors just <laughs> treated Kawhi very differently. We know yeah. they treat Kyle differently, right? Exactly.
0: He, Pascal is not Rondé Hollis Jefferson, <laughs> you know, like.
1: And it's... you know what? The, the The other side of this is Pascal went to the locker room right away. In some mm-hmm. way, he might have been even helping the team. Because he might have been thinking, dude, if I stay out here, I'm going to lose my shit on these refs. Yeah, yeah. And then he picks up a technical or whatever it is and puts his team in a worse situation. So yeah. if that was all there was to it, I think the suspension was way too harsh.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll, We probably will never know or maybe won't know until Doug Smith writes his next book uh, <laughs> in 25 years, <laughs> which I look forward to uh, with bated breath. But yeah, it's... uh it's a weird one man and it just it goes under the whole weird vibes of the entire start of the season for Siakam and how it's bled into the rest of the team uh and we should probably talk about the fouls you know those two games he's fouled out of it has been pretty the the foul trouble has caused him to look quite passive on defense I don't think it's some sort of underlying growing symptom of him being bad at defense because he has been great at times this year when he's not been saddled with foul trouble early on you can play the refs all you want and the refs have been a big topic of conversation i don't think a single game the raptors have played has been decided by officials yes the pelicans shot a million free throws in the fourth quarter of the game but the raptors still outscored the pelicans in that quarter and they you know are clearly fouling <laughs> like it's like you have to not foul you know nurse has been extremely ref screamy so far this season first of all, keep your damn mask on Nick well, what's the point if you're gonna just be like ejecting spittle onto the scores table every five seconds but you know I think the fouling thing is certainly an issue. I have a far bigger issue with with Sea fouling than I do the officially the officiating let's say let's just say that. Um, Do you think it's something to be concerned about? I think it's worth noting that last year this was basically a mirror talking point that we had because he had fouled out of two of the first six games, and it was like, oh, no, what are the Raptors going to do if their best score is fouling out all the time? Um, That resolved itself pretty quickly. I don't think he fouled out for the rest of the season or the playoffs, so I'm not too worried there. But I don't know. Is it like a, a symptom of something else with him going on, do you think, or is it just two random games where he's picked up a lot of fouls and you think it'll curb itself?
1: Yeah, I think I'm not as concerned because of the fact that this is something that happened last year and he got through it just fine. He doesn't have a history of being someone that gets in foul trouble consistently, so this might just be a rough stretch and everything is just rough for Pascal right now. The one thing with the free throws, I think he's trying a little too hard to draw fouls now, and even when he had when he, even when he spoke to the media after the game, and Grange asked him, you know, about getting to the line the fact that he's only got there six times on the season and Boucher's Boucher beat that in one game and Siakam just said I don't know I don't know and he talked about you know he's watching these other games and he's seeing what's getting called fouls and how other people are getting to the line and he feels like he's not getting the respect he deserves I think at the end of the day he needs to go back to being the player he was before the pandemic to get that level of respect and don't worry so much about getting the call just focus on finishing uh Mm -hmm. at the rim just focus on making the shot and i think then the other stuff will come if you focus on drawing the foul if that's all you're searching for then you're going to be a lot more disappointed uh than you are uh with actually making the shot yeah, I mean the process
0: with him on that end is just—it's not there, right? Like, how can you expect to go to the line a bunch when you're settling for threes or you're looking for little rinky-dink dump-off passes when you get close to the basket to Aaron Baines more often than not, who usually will punch the ball out of bounds because he can't catch a ball right now. Um, you know, just take, go up with it, dude. You're Pascal Siakam. You are—you were at one point like one of the best close to the rim scorers in the NBA. Mm-hmm. There's no reason you can't get back to that and if you start doing that you probably will be rewarded And I think there were a couple of positive signs before he fouled out in the fourth quarter Against the pelicans. I think in the third there were a couple of really encouraging possessions where he had one like really strong drive where He kind of shouldered off a, a defender and put up like a ten-footer and it was cash And it's just like oh, okay I haven't seen that from him before because usually he would just like do the spin into nowhere and he doesn't have a counter for that, but that was like a very tangible, real counter to shrug a defender and and score and use his mid range, which he seems a little bit more comfortable with. And then I you know, would love Eurostep for that move was great too.
1: I, I just want to say I would love for that mid range pull up to be sort of his go to in late clock scenarios. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's pretty much unguardable at yeah. his size. And, mm-hmm. and then you know the other Eurostep move you mentioned
0: earlier that was really encouraging too. And if he does that stuff over and over again, he will start getting the calls. It's just a matter of just playing like Pascal Siakam. And and look, I think the Raptors can do a better job of putting him into positions to succeed. I think him with the ball in his hands going straight downhill, it seemed like he started to realize this against New Orleans before he fouled out. And I'm disappointed he fouled out because I thought there was potential for a pretty nice crunch time from him because of the sort of emboldened nature to his drives that seemed to be kind of building in the second half where he just looked a lot more confident and realized oh yeah no one can guard me I'm like I score against the Pelicans at will most of the time I play them I'm just gonna score and credit to the Pelicans their defense is a lot better but even then when Pascal decided to actually play like himself they couldn't really do anything uh, about it so like that's the big problem so far in these first five games is every game has kind of had its little moments where it's like, oh, that's the real Pascal. That's that's him right there. The Sixers game was bad, but the rest, it's like, you know, he had eight assists in the second game of the season. He looked really good in the start of the season, in the first game against, God, I can't even remember who, New Orleans as well, 26-6, and and he looked pretty steady, and the playmaking was nice, and it's kind of tailed off every game since then. But every game has featured those little moments where it's like, if he can just find himself doing that... It should be okay, and I'm willing to give him more time. I don't think it's like, okay, press the panic button. He's you know, going to be an albatross contract or anything like that just yet. Like you said, I think the end of January is probably a good time to kind of reevaluate how everything is and maybe then recalibrate your expectations, not only for Pascal but for the team, depending on how he responds in the coming weeks here. But, you know, it's, it's tough to get 2-2 two, two down because every little flash, like you've mentioned, you want to grab onto it and say, now that's the real Pascal, he's back. He just hasn't strung it together at all, and it's pretty dif- difficult to string anything together when you're fouling out two games in a row. So here's hoping against the Celtics he can kind of figure that part of his game out because there's just there's not much ceiling for this team or floor for this team if Pascal is going to be the player he's been through five games. They just don't have enough offense, and that kind of leads me into – What I want to close out the show with, which is other stuff from the last couple games, the bench, the centers, and the uh, resistance to using Malachi Flynn, and now Matt Thomas, who seems to be in the doghouse too. We're going to get to that in just a second, but first I want to tell everybody about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the planet, and right now... It's a pretty good time to get into the Built Bars because you may be trying to wean yourself off of Christmas chocolate and sweets and candy and cured meats. I know I certainly am. And a Built Bar will kind of trick me into thinking I'm eating something unhealthy when it's actually healthy. They have 18 wonderful flavors for you to try out, including my faves orange and toffee almond. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and they're great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for keto diets as well. But they taste like regular candy bars, which is awesome. And right now, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to get 20% off of your next order. That is the promo code on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Alright, so we'll get into the other observations, non-Siakam division, in just a sec. But a reminder that on tomorrow's podcast, we'll be talking about the Raptors-Celtics game. Should be quite interesting. A injured and kind of thin Celtics team up against the Raptors, who have been, well, the Raptors so far this season. Boston's on a back-to-back. We will cover that game in depth for you tomorrow. But, Big V, let's continue to look at the last two games over the holiday weekend and dive into some of the other non-Siakam-related observations we had I want to first ask you about the centers, because that's been a pretty sore spot. Aaron Baines has looked very out of sorts on both ends of the floor. Um, And look, all the defensive struggles we might talk about with these guys, it's worth taking into advisement that they are also number five in defense right now, and it is far from the issue with the team. It is the offense that is really hampering things. But Baines has not been helping on that end either. He's not shooting threes with the same regularity he did with the Suns, and he was supposed to be this guy who's going to come in and bomb recklessly and and fire away, and you wanted that haven't seen that he can't catch a pass right now from anybody whether it's a big to big pass a pass on the roll it's just not there for him and he's looked pretty rough alex len has played the last couple games only seven minutes against the pelicans after looking really good and hitting a couple threes three threes that is against the dicks on thursday um but to me len seems almost better right now than baines and then you have chris boucher working in i think chris boucher has kind of proven he's a power forward not a center but he's going to play center minutes because he has to are you concerned about the center rotation right now big v it's you know it's not looking great and to me if i'm looking at like trade ideas and stuff like that yes the big hardened thing is looming over everything but that requires pascal siakhan to be an actually uh attractive asset for the for the rockets to to pick up in that trade for me though the the deals i'm looking at are a lot of involving centers and trying to consolidate a little bit and just get better play from that position We've been spoiled with excellent center play for the better part of a decade, from Jonas into uh, Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol. But yeah, I don't know—is it this bad? Do you think it's going to get better, especially with Baines, who has looked very, very much like a
1: 34-year-old who's never really had much beyond a backup role before? I'm very concerned about the center position. It might get a little bit better, but not a whole lot better, right? I think with Baines, maybe in general, we may have got our expectations—even you know the the lukewarm expectations that we had of Aaron Baines might have been too high and this goes back to my initial point of the drop off from the departures and you look at how much Mark and Serge spoiled us with what they were able to do at that position it's a huge drop off you look at what Mark offered offensively and defensively uh, you look at Surge, you know with his pick and pop game the turnover rate That's something that with Serge, you know, you can complain about him being a little too trigger happy. But guess what? When a shot's going up, it's not a turnover. And you're able to, you know, function off that. But with Baines, I'd like to think he can get a little bit better. I thought there were a few positive signs in the second half of that Pelicans game. Maybe even in sort of the the end of the second quarter. But... Yeah, there's no doubt he's got to be better, but how much better he can be, I don't know. So it's a big concern for me. The question is how much the Raptors are going to move off their 2021 plans in free yeah. agency and how much money they want to keep available for that. One person that excites me right now, with it looks like a full return to form, is Victor Oladipo. He looks really, really good for the Pacers. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to keep at least enough money around to make a real push at him because he's someone that would address a lot of problems for the Raptors. But what a guy who can dribble helping the Raptors? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, the center position even even to Pascal like with every position you just see that the margin for error has just progressively evaporated, right? Mm-hmm. And Right now, every game, Pascal has got to be really, really good. Every game, Aaron Baines has got to be making those catches. He's got to get himself in better position defensively. And everyone's got to be contributing. Anytime there's a drop-off, you know, while last season we might have said, okay, Kawhi's not there, the ceiling isn't the roof anymore. Now you look at this team, it's like, okay, Mark and Serge are gone too. The floor is deep in the abyss. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the biggest thing for me right now. It's, you know, the talent that you've lost now, everyone's just got to be up to the mark pretty much every game. It's not like, you know, Pascal has a bad game and you have a bunch of other players who can step in and fill a role, right? Like, and, and, and it, like I said, it goes to every position. Like, OG, he's missing his three all of a sudden now. And it, this takes me back to, like, Team Canada, right? Like, what, what <laughs> they were, when they were at the FIBA World Cup, Initially, the excitement was there that the NBA players were going to be there. Then they weren't. Corey Joseph was like the only dude who was there, and and then I, actually, um, was Ken Birch I think was there too. Yeah. So shout yeah. out to him. But <laughs> but I remember watching that team, and every time every time that they had an open three and they missed it, it felt like a nail to the coffin, right? And it seems the same way with this team. It's like every time they have an easy chance to score and they don't take it, it's like, oh my god, when are you gonna yeah. get another easy bucket again? It's like it's like watching the offense against the Celtics again. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like I was
0: confident that the losses of Gasol and Abaka could be balanced out by you know relatively decent mercenary style of play from Baines and Land and OG playing center, which we haven't seen a ton of, and I think we should see more because he's very good at it. Um, And I thought that would be counterbalanced as well by the internal growth from guys like OG and Fred and hopefully Siakam. We've seen decline from Siakam. I think we've seen incremental steps forward from OG minus three-point shooting. Like, he's got to the line six times against the Pelicans. He's scoring, you know, pretty reasonably well right now. It's just a matter of hitting those wide-open threes that are coming to him. And, you know, th- th- I think uh, too much hoops our friend Brad, uh, you know, made a good point this morning that, you know, Siakam, OG, and Fred, if they're just shooting at their regular career three-point percentages, this team gets like an extra five points a game and probably is not one in four at this point and is probably looking a lot better. And, you know, so th- it's just it's so early, it's tough to say what's going to be an established trend that's going to stick around and what's going to go away from small sample weirdness. But certainly, the lack of infrastructure around the centers because the guys are not performing up to the expectations we had for them is certainly impacting how they're playing as well. And they're, you know, the team is not holding up their end of the bargain of making things easier on the centers necessarily. So there's that. I also just think, like, yeah, try going small a little bit more, get a little bit weird, and also stop playing Stanley Johnson. <laughs> like, if you want to try to, like, fix what ails you, yes, the centers have been bad, but the biggest problem is just that the offense can't score at all. The centers are part of that, but it's also, uh, you keep playing players who have literally no offensive capability. Maybe try playing Matt Thomas or Malachi Flynn. I don't know. It's just a suggestion. Like they, they, Those guys come with offensive pedigree. Maybe throw them in the mix and stop playing guys who aren't good at basketball, like, like Johnson yep. and Terrence Davis, who just looks miserable when he plays, even though he shouldn't be playing at all. It's just, it's, you know where are you at we don't need to beat this horse to death too much with flynn and thomas because we've talked about it a ton already but like it's got to be getting to an event horizon now where like they got to be getting in there because the main issue with the team is very much not the defense and you're getting diminishing returns having stanley johnson in there for 12 to 20 minutes a game just flying around and dribbling it off his foot and not doing anything offensively while playing sometimes okay defense
1: Yeah, see, you can kind of understand when a rookie's not playing if the team is winning at an extremely high level, right? Yeah. When when Fred Van Vliet took so long to come along with the Raptors and was biding his time with the 905, then slowly got his opportunities, there was not only depth at the point guard position, because at the time you had Kyle Lowry and Delon Wright and Corey Joseph, but they were also winning at a high level. Mm -hmm. When you have Kyle Lowry as your only playmaker and you're not winning games there's really no excuse for Malachi Flynn to not be playing. And the way things have gone so far, I don't expect him to play against Boston because that seems to be the way Nick Nurse is leading. It's, you know, you the only time we've seen him is at the end of the ball game against the Knicks when it was a blowout situation. So I don't get that one. I definitely disagree with his thinking around that. He's got to play. Malachi Flynn at this point, you know, especially if you if you're going to keep losing games, you can't sacrifice both, you know, the losing and uh, his opportunities to develop
0: yeah for sure I do we see him against the Celtics I don't know what I think is getting pretty close to break the glass the emergency is upon us and Fred and Malachi Flynn should be playing uh just to at least see if he can reinvigorate your offense a little bit in those minutes where Kyle's not playing just like give Fred some help give Pascal some help give some extra ball handling I don't we, we've talked about this after every game it seems and again, it's probably unfair to be putting so much onto Malachi Flynn, but my God, it's just—it's screaming for it right now. And Throw Matt Payton Pritchard, screaming. why not? Yeah, exactly. Like it's, he's punk his ass. Uh, it's nothing is screaming for more Stanley Johnson right now. And why Stanley Johnson has become new Pat McCaw, I don't know. But man, Nurse has some weird ones that he likes. Uh, anyway, that feels like enough to spare for now. Uh, hopefully, things look up. <laughs> Stay tuned bit. to the
1: next episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, like after the Celtics game. It'll either be really happy and joyous after beating the stupid Celtics, or it'll be even more down the tubes and spiraling into uh, madness. And, like, I'm not ready to say, like, this team is bad. This team is lottery-bound by any means. We're still a few weeks away from that. But a win tonight would certainly go a long way to easing the nerves and the just the overall draw the like, dreary vibe around the team it just sucks watching them right now man I, I can't remember watching a team this unenjoyable since like the end of the 14-15 season when they were sad and stumbling into the playoffs on the road of being swept that's kind of what this team's bringing me vibes up except maybe they're worse I don't know well uh obviously keep you posted I still am optimistic you know me I, I'll wait till the last possible minute to give up but it's uh boy (laughs) it's not fun right now man uh (laughs) however this was fun thank you so much for jumping on man this was lovely uh thanks for recording a second podcast today after technical
1: difficulties claimed the first one um do you have anything you would like to plug oh just the usual stuff at complex at cbc that'll be coming soon since it's january and we can kick things off some exciting stuff besides that follow me on twitter at Vivek m jacob i've got my soccer podcast at red couch Manx. Tune into that if you're a Manchester United fan, if you're an EPL fan, whatever it may be, yeah, amazing. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean,
0: of course. Subscribe to, rate, review. It's always appreciated when you take the time to do that. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow, of course, to talk about the Raptors and Celtics, and uh, hopefully not get too too sad. And hopefully we see a nice Pascal game. Who knows? It'll... <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, no, like I have no idea what to expect at this point. It's all kind of uncharted territory, and it's very, very weird. So uh, here's hoping things turn around. Till then, have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now, go and check out Locked On Leafs ahead of the start of the NHL season. Just nine days away, Mike DeStefano covering the Leafs for you over there. Bye-bye.